In our culture, everything is based on success. But what is success? Who defined it? Who decided that success was the goal instead of fulfillment? What happens if we shake up that definition? What if we make our own definition of success? My name is Tony Grebmeyer, and on this podcast, I'm going to dig deep into the real stories behind success. Join me as I interview other entrepreneurs who've climbed up Success Mountain and have come back down to share their stories so you can succeed. If you're ready to join a community of other entrepreneurs redefining success and finding fulfillment, go to BeFulfilledLife.com and join the community. Now, let's dive into today's show. Welcome to Be Fulfilled. It is the real stories behind success. I'm your host today as we go up Success Mountain. My name is Tony Grubmeyer, and I'm excited for your guest to uh, show up in just a second and give you a chance to kind of peel the layers and learn a little bit from this genius. This gentleman is 31 years old and has lived a lot of life, a husband, a new father, business owner, a mentor, a coach, host of a podcast, runs a successful business, and at the end of the day, right? Somebody who just wants to go out and do good in the world. That's who we're talking to today. Somebody who's lived a lot and has learned a lot and knows that it's an inside game and is ready to share how you can tap your potential and tap into some of that. So please welcome to the show, Taylor Welch. I have a new goal in life and it is to model your radio voice. (laughs) The butter, the butter coming out of your mic right now. Amazing. I love it, man. I'm honored to have you here. You know, just... uh, Doing a quick web search of you, um, very impressive, but then digging down into the man that I'm about to interview and go up Success Mountain with, just learn a lot in a short period of time. You're, you're kind of like, I feel like I'm talking a lot of ways to myself, somebody who doesn't have time for for anything but the the, the real ingredients that it takes to be successful in life. You, you've, you've cooked enough in the kitchen and tried some things that didn't work, and now you found the recipe. So let's talk about your definition of success, and then we're going to jump into a really impactful show. I hope a lot of people are taking notes. If you don't have it, that's your cue. Grab a piece of paper and listen. Here comes Taylor. His definition of success. Yeah, this is such a profound question, and I think that the answer has changed for me over the years. But all I want right now, the, the vision of me being the most successful I can be is I want what people, the people who know me externally, I want it to line up with who I want to be on the inside. I want it to be the same. I, want it to be, I, I think there's too many. I am a marketer and there's too, there's been too much marketing that's taken place in people. And I want the people closest to me to like me the most. And I want to win with myself. That's it. I think if you can do that, you're going to win in everything else as well. Man, the best gamble in life, man. Bet on yourself. So many yes. of us spend all of our time and money betting on others. I'm like, dude, there's no amount of money I'm going to throw at E-Trade. There's yeah. no amount of money I'm going to throw out there in the world. The guy you want to bet on is the guy you're talking to right now. Man, what's the price tag on being proud of yourself for the things that no one else can see? Everyone is proud of themselves for the things that are accolades, but I am proudest of myself for the things that you will never see. And I'm not going to talk about them. It's the internal life. What's the price of happiness? That's how you get it. Yeah, no, I love that. You know, a lot of people say, you know, what's the key to success? The shit you don't see me doing. Yeah. It's the stuff that I do when no one's looking right? That's the key. Like the key to success is like when you're sleeping, I'm working. When, when you're thinking about like going on vacation, I've already got back from vacation. I'm hustling. Right. And people use these cliche words, but I had to find my way. And I want to talk a little bit as we get ready to go up success mountain, a little bit about where you grew up, maybe a little bit about your family, just give me the cliff notes version. But I I'm super proud of you, bro, for like being a father 
you know, we were talking a little bit before the show. I say sometimes the best nuggets are the things that nobody gets to listen to. So, but I just want to say, man, I'm, I'm really proud of you and have a, have a baby and be married and be early in your thirties. Like that's commendable stuff right there. Thank you. Thank you. Well, uh, so I grew up in the South. We grew up in yeah. my first recorded, uh, my mom asked me one time, what do you want to be when you grow up? My dad was an insurance agent and I wanted to be a preacher. I grew up in church. I wanted to be a preacher. And that was my whole life was ministry. I wanted to be in the ministry vocationally full time. Ended up getting that, met my wife through that. And, uh, man, I don't know something about it. It's, you know, you know, so many times I think we're guilty of getting the things that we always wanted, but the things we always wanted weren't the things that we actually thought that they were. That happened to me. And I transitioned out of that just because the, it didn't fulfill on what I thought it would be. And I got it, but it wasn't what I wanted. And uh, we transitioned out. I uh, just, the, I'm giving you mass cliff notes, like skipping over everything. And you, you can take me back into it if you want, but met my business partner and we started doing marketing and I got into real estate and transitioned in the business world. And, you know, if you really are honest with yourself and you look back at your life, going through life, it kind of feels like everything is so randomized and you can't really see the puzzle piece until you kind of look back on what is prepared. I was prepared for this and I didn't know it. And my dad would take me to John Maxwell seminars as a 10 year old kid. And I hated it. He had to bribe me with Chick-fil-A because I'm a 10 year old and I want to go play football and baseball. And I would have to sit in this church and listen to boring guys talk about business. And like, this doesn't matter to me. But when I got into, you know, the, the business world, it was like there was subconsciously years and years and years of depth that I didn't know how to connect and the ability to lead people that came from the church. I mean, you want to see the best, you want to see the best influencers in the world. It's mega pastor churches. They can get hundreds of thousands of people to give them money at the same time. And so all of these different unconnected pieces of my life began to connect together. And it was the spark that lit the match that created a bonfire. Now the forest was on fire and I just began to grow and people began to follow me. And I didn't know, I didn't know at the time, what it was going to turn into. I just wanted to make some money. I wanted to be able to help my wife out. We, we grew up really, really poor, man, in Memphis, Tennessee. Our apartment was 700 bucks a month. Um, and we lived there for three years. And in the, in the three years, we were flooded. We had termite infested. We had bugs everywhere. And we couldn't afford, like our grocery budget was $60 every two weeks. I mean, talk, you probably have the same experience we're coming up from a place of, you know, maybe not poverty, but below the line. And so things begin to grow. Um, and then I had a baby girl and I realized at that point that, uh, I needed to change some things in how I was communicating to people, how I was leading people. And she has given me more drive than probably anything else. She's given me more patience than anything else. And it's, it's funny. She's actually discovering right now that you can eat bugs, even though you're not supposed to, she's learning how to, I walked in around the corner the other day and she's eating dog food and the dog is standing there looking at me like, are you going to stop this? I'm like, ah, you know, whatever. She's one year old, but man, life is so rich. I, I learned that man. And this is me being real. I'm just being completely transparent. People don't understand that the richest parts of their life don't require any money. And in realizing that I've made more money from not caring about money. It's been put in its proper place and uh, I have, you know, 20 years ahead of me of raising this girl and we'll have more. And 
I'm, I'm on fire. Like you can just tell, like, this is the best season of my life. Not because of the businesses, but the businesses contribute to it. And so that's kind of where we are right now. No, I appreciate it. I think you said a couple of things that, you know, definitely we jumped around, but I think it's spot on. So you came from ministry, right? Like going in that world, you just flipped your ministry, you know, instead of being a closed church, you've got an open platform now yes. where you can really minister to the people who are interested in what you do, you know, from traffic and funnels to your recent launch of the Daily Mind Medicine uh, podcast. You can find that at dailymindmedicine.com. But when you when you start thinking about, like I, I often said, like, does my my purpose line up with the people in my life, right? And so I have a, a worksheet that I give people. It's called, your, you know, your personal dream life. And, and you start lining up people because everything should operate from it. Your personal dream life should be like, if these people in your life are not going to help you get where you want to go, but you also said there's certain people in your life that, you know, you don't know why they're there, right? And you look back at all the little pieces of your life and you're like, you can't see them all add up. But when your dad at 10 years old is taking you to John Maxwell and you're sitting there going, I just want Chick-fil-A, man. I, I want to go, go play baseball. I want to go do something with my friends. But you hear this, then it tells you, all right, so somebody was looking out for you, right? Yeah. Your dad was like guiding, hey. And when we're young, that's our job is to be led by somebody, right? Up until you can make decisions on your own. And it sounds like you started having some transformational mindset shifts in your, you know, late teens, early twenties of some things that you wanted to do differently. When you, when you started looking at like what you do today, what was your twenties like prior to meeting your, your wife? What was your twenties like for you? Where, where was, where was your headspace? What was the world looking like for you? Uh, well, yeah, you know, in some cases I feel like I got lucky having the parents that I had. And I definitely did. I was, I was fortunate and blessed, but life I told you before was relatively easy for me until I got to 17, 18 years old. And I went through a period of probably six, seven years of just kind of pain, failure. Yeah. The, the first girl, I, I don't really tell this story often, but we're, we're buddies now. So I'll tell you, I dated this girl and I was going to marry this girl. And, and we were like, you know, I was looking for rings. I was, I was about to propose and I'm 17 I am about to graduate high school and uh, I'm about to get a jump on it. Like you guys, you guys were early when you had kids and I'm a little earlier, 17 years old, found out that she had been cheating on me with the pastor of the church that I was serving at, who was also a family member. He was my uncle. So talk about a Rubik's cube of just like emotional turmoil. And I'm 17. I, I don't have the philosophy that I have now, which is, you know, there is purpose in the pain. Like so many people, if you pay a price for something, just keep going. Because the only way you're not going to receive a return on that pain is if you give up. I didn't have this philosophy back then. I didn't know what I was doing. And, uh, I, you know, my dad tells me later on that, like, I actually wanted to kill myself. I was in a suicidal state of mind. And I was writing letters. And so I, I go through this season and I go through another season and I go through another season. There's like six years of just kind of trauma. And uh, I was telling this, this story to a group of clients a month ago. You know, let me just skip over so I can give you the lesson here from my point of view is my baby girl, Kate, we're taking her to swimming lessons now. She, we're teaching her how to swim. And one of the things is you have to dunk them underwater. You count to three and you dunk them underwater and they freak out and she's like losing her mind and she doesn't like it. She doesn't, you know, something about not being able to breathe. I guess she doesn't enjoy much. <laughs> and um, I had this moment of clarity from the previous 10 years of my life. I said, that's it. 
that's it right now. That's what happens to people is they go through a traumatic moment and they lose their perspective that this is temporary. This isn't going to last. We're not putting her underwater and she's never going to be able to breathe again. You know, we're putting her underwater for two seconds or one second. But in her little mind, she's not developed enough. She doesn't have the perspective or the history enough to understand that this is going to last for one second and I'm going to be able to breathe again. It's just she loses her composure and she loses her perspective. And this is what I learned from the ages 17 to 22 is that most people go through a traumatic experience. They lose their composure. They lose their cool because they don't recognize it's temporary. And that's not the problem. The problem is when you lose your composure, you can't see the lessons from the trauma. You can't, you can't learn the lessons that this trauma has put you through. And so you have people that repeat the same trauma over and over. You know people that are 60 years old and they've been just going around the same thing over and over because they'll go through a difficult situation. They'll lose their composure. They think it's going to last forever. They miss the lessons and then they don't, they end up creating the same thing in their life again and again. And it was amazing to be able to see my daughter go through that and have this lesson out of body almost and be grateful that, you know, I was cheated on when I was 17 by a family member that betrayed me, went into a, a season of depression. I'm grateful now. I wouldn't want to do it again, but you develop a philosophy in your life that makes you resilient. It makes you powerful. When you are grateful for your pain, because in your pain, you're able to then be, you have the authority to help other people with the same thing. You wouldn't have that. The most immature people in the world are those who have not gone through any pain. They have no grid for what's actually important. And so as a 31 year, 31 year old dad, now I'm, I'm looking back and I'm, I'm grateful that it all happened so early, you know, because I, I'm able to grab those lessons now. Hey, Taylor, I mean, just think about this. So here's Taylor Welch, 31 year old male, found his message in his mess, went back and figured some stuff out. And now if you're listening today and you're like, dude, I want to listen to more of this guy. He speaks wisdom, dailymindmedicine.com. Subscribe to the podcast, doing well so far there. Great message. I mean, you know, a lot of us, man, I think we, we have blind spots for a reason and blind spots. Sometimes we can't see them. Right. And, and, you know, it's kind of like driving in a car. You only see them after you get into an accident or something happens. Most people say, oh, that was cool. I'll pay attention next time. And then they forget and then they keep driving and they get hit again and they forget to look back and go, oh, that was a blind spot. You know, why does it yes. keep happening? And a lot of people are just, I call them like speed bumps. Speed bumps are out there because people stopped and someone rolled right over them with a steamroller. They just stopped for a moment and they didn't, they didn't actually decide to do anything different other than they paused. So fight or flight kicks in, right? And then that moment, and I just want to stay with something really quick because stay is the biggest thing in fight or flight that people need to pay attention to. Stay is when you actually are in observation mode. And that's what I'm listening to today is like how well maybe the last, you know, 14 years of your life ha has been a, you know, it could be a, it's a, it's a book, right? It's a, it's a movie. It's a life lesson. It's a story. And, and, and Bob Proctor always talks about it, you know, take the lead, stop being the extra in your own movie. And, and you, you took the lead in your movie. And we were talking about that right as this podcast was getting started. So that's, that's freaking awesome. Um, what did you learn in the real estate business? Are you still involved in real estate today? Yeah, we have a real estate company. We're in four markets across the United States. We do uh, probably a million to two and a half million a month in inventory. On the All right. So tell market. me what's the, the, the uh, pulse on the real estate right now in the world? 
it depends on what class of real estate you're in. Com- um, let's, let's go commercial. We'll go residential. Bad. And we'll go apartments. So commercial's bad. Uh, there's, you know, it depends. If you own commercial, you're in a tough spot. If you don't own commercial and you're looking for deals, then you're you're getting close to having deals. The problem is, the the world at the same time is all discover remote work. So like at the same time, so there's obviously going to be. I think if people were freaking out about this recession because of the entertainment industry or the service or the retail or whatever. But actually the, the entertainment service retail is going to be the safest commercial space because the, you, you can't, you're going to want to go into a Starbucks, you know, you're going to want to go into a restaurant, but you know, Facebook just announced yesterday that they, in the next couple of years, they're going to expect 50% of their workforce to be at home. They're going to be dropping real estate leases and they're going to be dropping all of that. I think uh, multifamily is not quite as bad, but, you got to understand that most multifamily complexes are in high dense, high density cities. And when you have a pandemic like this, if people have an option to live in a rural area with the whole house or they're stacked on top of a hundred people in a, in a place like Miami or Nashville or whatever, they're going to probably pick the house and that's not going to go away anytime soon. That's not going to change in a year because the part of how you track the stock market is not just financials, but it's energy. It's a, the mindset people have, and they're going to carry that with them. Single family is, I think, the safest thing in the game in terms of sustainability, longevity. And so when I worked in real estate back in 2013, I worked at a single family turnkey real estate company. And that's the game that I knew. That's all that I know how to do. You know, we've gotten into small multifamily deals, but the pulse for us, we're, we have a almost 100% rent payment rate from the last two months. I mean, everything's good. We're in markets that are relatively blue collar, diversified job sources. So I'm not, we're not feeling it. And I don't think we will feel it the same way that your big commercial investors will, if that makes sense. No, it does. It's interesting. Cause like the market, like in my neighborhood, I live here in Colorado, nice area, man. I've seen more real estate signs pop up in the last 30 days. than I've probably seen in the last two years. And so I'm like, Hmm, interesting time. So that's why when you started talking about real estate, I think it's one of the most interesting things. When you're talking about buildings, I, I totally loved how you just broke that down into just bite size, right? That was like, look, the entertainment industry, sporting industry, it's probably going to be okay. It's going to take some time. They're not going anywhere because those venues hold so much. But yeah. some of these businesses too are just closing up. I mean, I've seen more businesses in the, probably the last 30 days that have been staples for so many people. They're like, we're not coming back. We're closing shop. Yeah. Yeah. And that's the risk, but you know, you can replace that tenant. It's just, you're going to take a temporary loss. I think what's going to be difficult is you build a warehouse for Facebook and then, you know, you, you'll have to reconfigure that building. It's not just going to be like, you're going to have to build a storage building inside of it or, or change who you're renting to. So the time frame there is going to be elongated, you know, as opposed to, uh, you know, some, a restaurant goes out of business. You can lease that space to to a Starbucks. You can lease that space to another restaurant. They're, they're going to eventually come back. Maybe not the same restaurant, but I asked the lady. I was checking out a Target the other day, and I said, "You know, how's biz for you guys? You know, this is just a cashier. What does she know, right? Like that's what I always say. I'm like, does she really know the numbers? And she's like, normally on a weekend, we you know on on a typical day, we do about one hundred thirty thousand dollars. We did one hundred eighty one thousand a day. She's like, it's been nonstop since this thing went in. And so yeah. certain businesses are just exploding, right? We're in the logistics and fulfillment industry. So around the health and, and vitamin industry and, you know, businesses has been awesome, but it's also one of those things 
where we're scaling our business because there's a lot of people that are losing jobs and we were growing. So we said, hey, why don't you come work with us? But the mindset that you, you split was Facebook and 50% of their workforce is going to go work from home. You yeah. want to talk about a new way of thinking is you're going to create a lot more entrepreneurs, I think. Unfortunately, it's a good thing and a bad thing. You're going to have a lot more entrepreneurs thinking, can I run a business? Because I'm already home. What can I do? Yeah, yeah. It, and I want to talk be, about your other business too, because traffic and funnels, I, I want to talk about that because I, everybody's sitting on a million dollar idea, but not everybody's going to execute that million dollar idea. Right. So we have traffic and funnels. Uh, I'll do 15 to 16, maybe 20 this year. We'll see. We have sales mentor. That'll do about 10 this year. Totally different business. And then we have two real estate businesses. One is a, as a fund with the, with the SEC accreditation and then one just buys single family. So we're kind of in different spots, but it's, it's, actually quite unique because we can see the trends happening in the different markets. And one of the things that's blown up is sales mentor because we train people how to make money from home being a sales pro. And then we hire them for our other businesses. So we've created our own staffing company, you know, inside of the vertical. And that, that business has just exploded because nobody, people who are, who still have a job, but they have to go to work. They, they would rather work from home. They're seeing the same trends. So you, you're, we're sort of capitalizing on that, on that gold rush a little bit, even though long term, you're right. It it could be, it could it could be sort of damaging to the infrastructure of these bigger businesses, but at the same time, I think productivity might compensate for that because we have a big open workspace here, and sometimes, you know, I think it's actually counterproductive for people to come in and, and work in an office. So, yeah, I had to get up from our thing, and I'm like, hey guys, I'm, I'm recording a podcast. Give me a couple minutes, and I'll, you know, I'll be done with my exactly. show. And it's uh, it's crazy. I mean, I have, I have an on-air light to let everybody know I'm on air, but people just do their thing, right? They, they could give two ships about anything. They're like, hey, I'm talking, having a conversation. And that's been interesting too, watching the workforce come back is that they haven't seen each other. Yeah. So now they're having these like conversations and I'm like, we got work to do, people. Let's get back to work. What, uh, what's been the biggest shift you've seen personally, maybe for you just kind of like in your observation of the, of the landscape of the world right now, what is the biggest shift for you? just in kind of like how you look at business today versus maybe pre pandemic. I mean, I was, let me give you two answers. One from a personal standpoint, one from a business standpoint, if that's okay. Uh, personally, I, I think I needed to slow down and I think all of us needed to slow down. It's been a great, actually, it's been a kind of a blessing because we don't realize how busy we are. And, and in busyness, what I mean is not just like that you have stuff to do, but the lack of presence. And I feel like it, it was actually a great gift for me and my family because I've seen my daughter more, I've seen my wife more, and I'm still getting a lot done. But you know, when, when you're something about when you're just forced to stay at home for a period of time, you know, everybody's kind of beginning to wrestle with what's really important. What have I been doing? <laughs> what have I been doing for the last two or three years? And man, there is beauty that comes out of that if you can be honest with yourself. So that's been a big change for me. I was telling Chris, my business partner, as things are opening back up, like Nashville's pretty much opened back up, I'm gonna take some of these lessons with me. You know, I think it will be a waste to go through this and not ad adopt some, some things and some new thinking. So I, I just want to slow down a little bit from time to time. Like I want to take some days off from time to time. Like I want to be able to be home before she goes to sleep at night. Like those are good things that I, I was kind of missing, you know, from a business standpoint though, man, we, we operate on a worst case scenario thinking. I remember telling Lance who runs our, our portfolio, I want to buy houses that if we get invaded by China or the Russians or whatever, if we, if we go into all out war, I want to be able to make a, a profitable return on these houses. And 
everybody thought I was kidding. But I'm like, no, no, no. But when you go, when, when something like the pandemic is like inflicted upon you, I think it was a great excuse for our teams to think the way that we have always thought, which is just worst case scenario, because we had to go into contingency planning. We had A, B, and C for all businesses because we didn't know how it was going to affect traffic and funnels or real estate. And so we had these contingencies for like, you know, in the worst case scenario, who, who stays and who goes and do we cut salaries and did we cut our salaries? And like, we had to plan all of these things out. And what I saw from our team is that, that, that extra layer of vigilance, mm. everything exploded. And so I was able to teach them, you know, we're not growing necessarily right now because the market's conducive for it. We're growing because you guys have increased your level of vigilance and out of that comes growth. And, you know, I, like I said, you know, I, I hate that people are struggling, but I'm really grateful for the lessons that have come out of it because they made, made me stronger. You know? Hey, I got to tell you, Taylor, great stuff. And we're going to take a quick break and, and we're talking to Taylor Welch today, traffic and funnels.com. Uh, you can learn more there. Dailymindmedicine.com. Interesting guy. He's, he's got a lot of wisdom. I hope, like I said, you've been taking notes. We're going to come back. We're going to talk about it. One of the things though, he's grateful for the struggle Remind yourself of that. Like, if you're not grateful for what you've gone through, how will you be happy when you get to where you want to go? Right? Like, yes. there's there's something inside of us as humans that you know. Oh, I'll do it later. I'll do it tomorrow, next month. Don't worry about it. It's gonna get better. We're not promised tomorrow. We're not promised any more than what we've got right now in this very moment. And I could be taking my last breath. So I want to have you hold on for a second, just in case maybe you'll see if I am taking my last breath. Um, we're going to go to a quick break. We're going to come back. We are talking today with Taylor Welch. Be sure to stick around. You are listening to the Be Fulfilled Podcast Show. We're going to take a quick break. And since Tony's taking one, let's take one together. Let's take a deep breath. Wherever you are, feel those ribs expand, that chest lifts towards your chin. Let's do it now. That feels good, right? That's one of over 23,000 breaths you're going to take today. You don't even think about it. But you're focused on that one. That's life. That's rejuvenation. That's the moment right here. And thanks for doing that with me. We all matter. Those breaths matter. Let's remember them. And let's get back to the show. All right, ladies and gentlemen, we are back on the Beef and Filled Podcast Show. My name is Tony Grubmeyer, going down Success Mountain. One thing I learned at the very, very top, it... it it takes work. You know what? Some people just don't get out of bed. They're naturally motivated to just go kick ass and be super positive. Today was one of those days for me. My alarm went off at 4.30. I'm in the middle of 75 hard. And I was like, oh, dude, yesterday kicked my butt. Like I rode, you know, 25, 26 miles on my bike. My legs are tired. My mind's tired. I just want to sleep in. My wife's next to me. I got two dogs. I'm like, all right, I know I'm going to get crap for it. I hit snooze. But then that trigger went off in my brain that says, all right, for me to live the excellent life that I dream of and desire each and every single day, I got to do certain things to get my mind right, right? So now I'm down on my Peloton. I Skyped in with a buddy in Romania this morning. We were chatting. I put a shirt on that he gave me. So there's things I got to do. Taylor, like when you wake up in the morning, what's your mindset like? Do you have a routine? Do you have a philosophy? Because you were talking about personal philosophy earlier, and I think it's a methodology we have to we have to trick our mind. You've heard this saying before, it goes something like this, get up before your mind tells you what you're doing, right? So get up and get moving before your mind tries to stop you. Tell me a little bit about your morning routine. You know, I, I do not wake up uh, chipper, ready to go. People are surprised to hear this. 
uh, because you know what you're hearing right now is the person that I've trained myself to be. It's not necessarily the natural byproduct of who I am naturally. But in the mornings, man, my wife is a morning person and a night person. She was just blessed. You know, I don't know how it happens, but she's happy in the morning and she's happy late at night. And I tend to be neither. I'm not early morning person or night person. It's the worst. I get tired early and and uh, I don't want to wake up early. But 75 heart is intense, by the way. Props to you for going through that pain. Day 37, man. I'll remember it by listening back to all these podcasts that how far I've come. I'm in the midst of the middle. Yep. But my morning routine, I've got something called a morning formula. Um, and I designed this in 2012, 2013. Because of my volatility emotionally as a person, um, I'm pretty volatile. If you, if you look at my life, not in a dangerous way, but I, I'm pretty moody. And my business partner, Chris, is stable as it gets and consistent. And I'm pretty up and down. And so I created this formula in the morning and I get up and I read my goals and I read who more importantly than my goals I read who I want to be what how I want to treat people and I've got things in this that are just principles for me and I want, I'm going to I'm going to be the person that smiles at people checking out of the grocery store and I'm going to be the person that says thank you you know reframing who I want to be and how I want to think every morning and I go through this it's about 20 30 minutes and uh, by the time I'm done, man, I am fired up. I can rip trees out of the ground with my bare hands. I'm just like filled with energy. I'm ready to go. It's got monetary goals. It's got impact goals. And um, then 6 o'clock to 6.30, that's what I'm doing every single morning. And by the time I get out of the house, I am not who I woke up as. I am the optimized, upgraded version of who I tell myself I'm going to be. And, uh, and wouldn't you know it, slowly but surely – after going through this for years at a time, you begin to become the person that you choose to be. People, people misunderstand this. It's like your identity is fluid, always changing, always changing. It's never the same. And some people control that identity in the process of being upgraded. And some people leave that control to other people. They get triggered by the news and triggered by traffic and triggered by the market and triggered by all these things. And it's more exhausting to me to have all of, all of your identity controlled by other people than it is to just do the work and control it yourself. And so I tell my salespeople, I tell our teams and all of our different companies, like don't, don't make the mistake of thinking, well, Taylor just likes to read or Taylor just wakes up happy or, or the worst, the worst thing that was ever said to me is uh, that, you know, they, they were making an excuse for not doing their morning formula. And they were just like, I just wasn't, I wasn't gifted with this personality. I'm like, man, you have no idea what you're talking about. I wasn't gifted with this personality either. Maybe the charisma was developed. Maybe the, the, the leadership was developed over time, but I had to work to learn how to read. I had to work to learn how to wake up early. I had to learn to do, none of this came naturally to me. It was a byproduct of work, you know? I like it. Hey, and you know, the good thing is all of that prep work back in 2012, when you started, you know, coming up with your morning rituals has really paid dividends for you, right? Like there's yeah. people, people think like, oh, you know, I'm just going to do this today. And I don't know what the payoff's going to be. Well, you started talking about things that way back at 17 and how they propelled you to where you're at today. And then 2012 till now, that's, you know, over eight years, little things sometimes by planting the seed, don't know much more than planting the seed, do the effort, you know, start digging, planting, uh, and then tend to your garden and pull the weeds. And sometimes you have to pull some tree stumps with your hands, but like, be willing to do the work. And I think that's the message that I want anybody listening today to get. Like Taylor's talking about just simple stuff, but very hard to do all the time. And so how do you how do you motivate yourself when no one's looking? We talked about that. You know, what are the things that you're doing daily? 
you know, how are, how are you showing up when no one's watching? These are some great, great things that we're leaving people with. And what I really want to do, you know, I want to take you into the fulfillment round. The fulfillment round is just for you, for me, for fun. Just ask some questions. There's no rights. There's no wrongs. Um, it's not like I need you to predict if uh, Mike Tyson and Evander Holyfield are going to show up for, you know, oh rematch gosh. three. I'm not asking questions like that. They did say now that maybe it's for charity. That's been one thing that's come from the pandemic. I've been just laughing going, they're in their 50s. But the thing is, is we're never too old. That's, That's right. the thing I got to remind myself. Like, if you're not having fun where you're at right now, man, it's going to be yeah. hard to have fun someday. So yeah. what I'd love to do is uh, ask you some questions, but I have to get your permission, not because, uh, you know, of anything other than legal. I got to put some legal stuff on this disclaimer. Uh, can I have your permission to say, I am ready? Now you're make, making me curious. You know, I'm ready. And now it's time for the fulfillment round. No phoning friend, no using the Google machine. No digging into storage for the Encyclopedia Britannicas. And I promise, Tony won't make you cry. And if you don't know the answer, just make it up. The Fulfillment Round brought to you by ShipOffers.com for all your product and fulfillment needs. Now, Tony, you ready to ask some questions? All right. So, uh, you, Lindsay, go to the hospital. Baby girl's popping into your arms. You get the chance to hold your baby for the very first time. What was the first thought that crossed your mind? I've treated people the wrong way. It's my life pre-Kate was defined by me being correct, accurate, always. But uh, the first thing that actually came to my mind besides being grateful that she was healthy was if somebody ever talked to my daughter the way I've talked to other people, even if they are right, I don't give a shit whether they're right. I learned then that, you know, you can respect the person's humanity while pushing against their behaviors and their choices and uh, I had a respect issue that I had to rectify with the way that I showed up to the world. And since then, you know, I've become somebody that's more motivated by, I want to lift somebody up before I correct them. And it's really profound how that, how that happened because it, it came from her. And in the future, somebody's going somebody's gonna to teach her something, but they need to teach her to her the right way and respect who she is. And I wasn't doing that. It was out of left field. I like it. What At 16, you get a knock on the door. Hi. Mr. Welch, I'm here to pick up your daughter. What kind of conversation do you think you're going to have with this person? Oh, my God. I haven't even gotten there. Uh, I don't want to go there yet. <laughs> I got a few more years, man. All right. No, you do. You and, and enjoy those moments, too. These are the magical moments you'll never get back. I look back. I have a 19 and a 21-year-old, and I'm like, we reflect often on their stories. And so just just remember – have fun and, and uh, I'm really it's cool like I said in the beginning I'm honored that you have a have a one-year-old and the the fun years are ahead and for sure like enjoy every little moment you got uh, when you're not with your family you're not working it's just maybe you maybe something that you love to do where, where would people find you if it wasn't work and if it wasn't family uh, if it's if it's summer probably on the lake with the boat we've got some nice lakes here in Nashville um, if it's not you know one of my favorite things to do is to uh, go to a cigar bar and read a history book. I'm working through this book right now. It has nothing to do with business, but it's uh, The Art of Power, Thomas Jefferson. That's, That's awesome. Book. And uh, you get different things from this than you do from a John Maxwell book or a business marketing book. And, you know, it's like these guys went through some actual serious stuff. My problems aren't that big of a deal. You know, it's great perspective. Yeah, I mean, that's that's a wonderful way to look at it. Like how, how blessed and gifted are we to have inherited this country? Yeah. Think about in the early stages of just trying to found this great this great place we call America. 
And just think about all of the stuff that people had to deal with that we don't even know unless you go back and look at history and you go, wow, man, like we're very fortunate to be where we're at. That's the book you're reading. What are you listening to? I know that you've got the dailymindmedicine.com podcast and that's been cool. We, I want to talk a little bit about that, but what are some of the things that you're listening to today? For enjoyment, one of my favorite podcasts is uh, Dan Carlin, Hardcore History. Um, He's a man, he's got a gift to, to speak. And he talks about history and some of the most intense moments in history. Um, I'm also listening to a book called Leadership in Turbulent Times right now on Audible, which is great. Uh, I just dabble in a lot of different things. And there's this really, really fascinating app that you can get called Castro. And uh, I don't know about you, but for a long time, I had so many things I wanted to listen to and learn that I would just get overwhelmed. My queue was a mile long and I'd have a thousand Kindle books and I just don't have enough time to go through them. But Castro allows you to subscribe to different podcasts, but only keep the episodes that sound interesting. Uh, so it's really, it's a, it's a good app. I'm listening to a dozen podcasts at a time from, you know, Pivot and um, Business World. And sometimes I'll sneak in some, uh, some history on podcasts as well, but pretty much everything. I love it, man. What a cool, fun fact about you. You're a history buff, like a nature in the heart of who you are, right? You've talked a lot about that and uh, looking back at kind of yourself and like you are the best history lesson you'll ever learn, right? You got to go yeah. back and learn what made you and then holding your baby for the very first time um, and having that thought profoundly come to you like, man, I, I need to do some things differently. Last question for you. It's for your wife. Uh-oh. How do you show up every day and make Lindsay a priority in your life? Um, with all the stuff that she does, raising raising your daughter, being who she is, shows up, gives you the space to go let you create. Let's give you everything that you need to kind of get stuff across the finish line. So this moment, it's a hard moment for a lot of people. I've had it flipped on me a few times and it's hard to do. This is for you to talk to Lindsay, not for you to address me. This is for you to say thank you to Lindsay. And this will... This is also a great test to see if your wife listens to what you do. So this is, I've done this and my wife actually has listened to some of the interviews. I've been on other shows. I'm like, damn, you heard that? So I'm throwing this out there for you. This is how you're going to close today's show um, as a thank you to Lindsay. Um, Third person or first person? What's your preference? However you feel like it, it's just for you and Lindsay. It's like you two talking. So I, she took a risk on me and she knows this. So she, she knows that she took a risk on me working in the ministry. Uh, I didn't have any promise. There was no guarantee, but I told her I would do whatever it took. We got married. Our first date was as a married couple was a Taco Bell. We brought it home. We didn't have any furniture. Uh, it sounds out of body. It sounds crazy when you hear about it. Now we sat on the floor, we ate Taco Bell and she told me that Taco Bell was her favorite date night, not because she actually loved Taco Bell, but because she wanted me to know that, what we were doing was good enough for her. And she wasn't, she was being dishonest with me so that I would feel not like a failure. And she's the one that talked me out of, you know, quitting my job and going out on my own. She's the one that gave me the courage to do that. There's not many days that don't go by where I'm not aware that, you know, one of my motivations is to pay her back for that trust and, uh, and to really honor that trust. She moved cities for me. She took, she took the biggest risk of her life for me. And uh, a lot of people do that and it doesn't pay off. And one of the things that motivates me is continuing to pay that off. And I want her to have everything that she wants to have. Uh, she's a wise woman. I wouldn't be who I am without her. She knows this. 
we just went through our, uh, we had our seventh year anniversary and we just had Mother's Day for the second time, but the first time Kate was you know, 10 days old. She didn't remember the first Mother's Day. And I told her I'm not very good at gifts because it's not my love language, but I can write. I'm a really damn good writer. And so I wrote her a, a full page of notes and just describes her and the qualities that she has and the things that she means to me. And, you know, I think that we started out knowing that it didn't matter what we were able to accumulate or what we were able to succeed if it split us apart. There's nothing outside the home that can justify losing the home. And so she's been a priority. And I, you know, it's, you know it's, what she's inspired me to do is teach that to our team, how to have a healthy relationship and how to build, you know, healthy partnerships. So is she track it down a thousand different ways. Your, the motivation for me is going to end at her and it starts at her. And so she, we haven't even seen anything yet. The last seven years, nothing. Let's go. Let's going to triple it over the next seven years. That's my guarantee. We'll see what she it. says about that. I love it. All right. Hey, Lindsay, you got it a hell of a husband. Taylor Welch, I want to say thank you. Uh, if you want to follow what Taylor's up to, check out trafficandfunnels.com. Also, download the podcast, subscribe, leave a review, help him, help others, dailymindmedicine.com. Incredible. Congratulations for all your success. And I know you're going to continue to crush it. You got a great mindset. You're doing a lot of wonderful things. You're helping a lot of fantastic people. That is Taylor Welch. My name is Tony Grubbeyer. And until next time, no matter where you go, no matter what you do, choose to make today the absolute best day of your life. Thanks for listening to today's show. But before you go, let me ask you a question. How would you like to be the architect of your journey in this game we call life? Take the next step now at www.tonygrubmeyer.com. Enter your details to get the first week of the Be Fulfilled Journal for free. It includes access to our private community of thousands of other entrepreneurs. It'll give you more clarity and freedom in your day. And it might just change your life forever. <laughs>